The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Towley and Welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Towley 006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I'm doing awesome, as always. And I mean, it's November. It's November in Canada. And right. we're still getting near double-digit temperatures. So, fantastic. It's plus 10 here right now. Yeah. Going to spend some time outside after this. Yeah. Global warming is a thing, people. You need to take action now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we got a monstrous show for you guys this week. As always, we got some uh, very important breaking kayfabe news that we'll get to here in a second. Uh, scoop of vanilla, big news coming out of the vanilla brand. We have four big matches to talk about, putting it over, and we're returning to a top five. Uh, that'll kind of tie into all that vanilla news that we'll talk about here in a second. But before we get into all of that, of course we got to talk the Winnipeg Jets. They seem to got it figured out. It was a it was a slow start there those first four games, but I think they're uh, they've only lost twice and they've gotten points out of those two losses in the last like ten games. So just got it figured out. Yeah, I'm I'm really wondering if it is this new way that Maurice does the lineup. Where he has, uh, what is it, like 11 forwards and 70. seven defensemen. Yeah, That that seems to be good. And, and the other thing that I think Maurice has been doing well is as guys are out of the lineup and coming back in, I am referring to like Wheeler and Shifley, that he's not breaking up what's working, which is uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. Like that line is like total domination right now. So why split it up? I think Wheeler's on the checking line yeah, uh, or something like that. But I mean, Shifley, Wheeler, Lowry, like that's another <laughs> just pure gold line right there. So yeah, the Jets have uh, have depth. It was crazy to see on the telecast there, they showed the lineups and it was Dubois, Connor, and Svechnikov on the number one line. And then it was Wheeler, Shifley, and Lowry on the third line. It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> Not that like those are, you know, lines are lines, but it was it was kind of wild to see. So yeah, the Jets got it figured out. Dubois, I was going to bring him up, so I'm glad you did. Like, this is the number three draft pick that everybody was was expecting to, to have in, in Columbus. He's starting to wake up. I think he's starting to feel really comfortable in Winnipeg. And uh, yeah, it's working out. Him and, him and Connor are kicking ass. I don't even remember that guy we used to have. Um, forget his name, but anyways, he's an ugly motherfucker. Uh, I think... That's all I remember. <laughs> Dubois apparently he he put some work into his his body and uh, it's working out. He's gotten faster, and you know maybe being in an environment that's a little bit more conducive to his personality really helped him out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, exciting things coming out of Winnipeg. Also, Blue Bombers playing later today as we are recording. Excited for that. Guaranteed win. Guaranteed win. <laughs> <laughs> Montreal sucks. <laughs> All right, let's get right into our show this week with some breaking kayfabe. It's time to take a look at the headlines and rumors from outside the ring. 
It's Breaking K-Fade. So we got two items on the docket for Breaking Kayfabe this week, and they're both involving John Moxley. First off, some great news coming from the Moxley camp. His book is now out, and it's getting some rave reviews from everybody in the business and everybody out of the business. I think this is, I haven't heard officially if it's a New York bestseller yet, but I mean, it's pretty much guaranteed the way people are talking about it. Being compared to Mick Foley's first book, you know, very, very serious topics, but comedy and just realism written like he speaks type type thing. And we all know that that first book by Mick Foley, Have a Nice Day, revolutionized the wrestling autobiography. So I'm actually thinking about picking this up and reading it. And I'm not a reader. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that that shows right there, right? Uh, I haven't, I I honestly haven't read Mick Foley's Have a Nice Day. Every time I look at it, it's so thick, and it's just like, do I want to get into this? So I I haven't read it. But you're right; it is sort of the book that sets the bar for all wrestling biographies. I'm excited about Moxley's. I can't wait to get it myself and read it. And if it's anything as good as the Young Bucks one, then uh, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. I'm a little bit shocked about the cover, though. I thought the cover, I don't know, I imagine something different. It, it just, I don't get it, but maybe you got to read the book to get what the cover is. It, it looks like he is uh, selling his debut solo album. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's kind of just walking down an empty highway. It looks like it looks like a Brian Adams CD cover. Like, let's be real. Right. I was thinking Richie Sambora, you know, he gets kicked out of Bon Jovi <laughs> and, and now he's doing his first album. <laughs> oh, shit. That's good shit. All right. Well, let's get a little bit serious here as, as the big news out of the week is, is that John Moxley has admitted himself, I guess is what you would say, into an inpatient rehab program for alcoholism, which is, I mean, something we're familiar with. You know, we kind of went through that with uh, James Hetfield having to to kind of face his demons and stuff like that. Moxley's going through it right now. And it seems like AEW as a whole is just absolutely behind this guy 100%, which is really great to see. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing to to judge a person by to say you know you're you're this or that because you you have this type of problem uh, i i've never experienced it really myself so i can't say but i mean it's sometimes these types of things just take control of you and and you need to reach out for help and it's good that he's not being judged or condemned or um you know if this is another company possibly you know not really pointing any finger <clears throat> WWE um you know he might have been fired and and kind of been an afterthought so yeah I think uh just again another gesture of how AEW is such a class act yeah for sure and, and I mean hey we'll we'll talk about we will point some fingers here in just a minute I'll, I'll we'll get to that what I'm really surprised about and happy that this is how it's going is that AEW Sure, supports one thing, and maybe the other brand would support certain wrestlers if they came out for, for with problems and needed the the help and support. But the other brand would never publicize it, which is kind of what AEW did on Dynamite this week. You, we saw it 
um, with the commentary kind of right off the show. You know, our thoughts and prayers are with Moxley. Get better. We can't wait till you're back. And then CM Punk comes out and, and calls it out and tells the fans, you know, like we are here for John Moxley. I don't think Vanilla Brand would ever put it out front and center like like AEW did, which I'm sure they did with Mox and Renee's, you know, blessings, I'm sure. Right, yeah. And I mean, as much as people in that position may not think that they are influential on people, uh, we, we see like watching the shows how the people react to these performers. So they're, they're absolutely an influence. And I think showing that they go through real life problems like everybody else will likely help someone in the end. And I, and I think if, uh, if we spoke to John personally and he said, you know what, I could help one person, I'm sure he'd do it. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, our thoughts are with John. Get better. Can't wait till you come back and get right back to kicking some ass and, and taking names Hopefully get back in that that's John. That's John without an H. Yeah, John Just without an H. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that situation. All right, let's get into some Scoop of Manila. Hey, guys, what can I get for you? How about a chocolate cone? Can I get a butterscotch? Sorry, fellas. All we got is vanilla. Well, that sucks. All right, so we, got some, we had some big news coming out. I think this was Thursday. WWE have released another big batch of wrestlers. This was probably one of the larger ones of the year, actually. But there are some big, big names on this list once again. And I can't, you know, before we get into the list of people, I can't not state that the third quarter numbers were coming out for the company. You know, this, keeping along with this financial you know, kind of conspiracy, if you will, that, you know, these releases are for budget cuts, but WWE as a company keep boasting about their high profit numbers and margins for the year. And the third quarter has been their best quarter all year long. It, it, it's fishy. It's starting to smell really fishy. But let's talk about some of these guys who lost their jobs, This guys and girls who lost their jobs this week. Uh, Keith Lee. Huge name right off the top. Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux, one of the biggest acts coming out of NXT this last year. Nia Jax, who we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. Ember Moon, Frankie Monet, who's better known as Taya Valkyrie. Oni Lorcan, Eva Marie, Mia Yim, amongst many, many others. These are kind of the big, big names that who we've come to know, you know, uh, as performers on the show. What are your thoughts, overall thoughts on this list? I, I think this really shows that a lot of people should be scared that they're the next because these are these are not just NXT superstars. These are main roster. You know, Nia Jax had had a huge push. So, you know, I'm sure the Roman Reigns of uh, WWE, like they they're not too scared. But, you know, some of those mid card people, I think, are probably thinking now any day could be my last day. You know, honestly, one of the names that I'm surprised wasn't on this list was Bobby Roode. Like, I've not heard from that guy in so long. I know he's kind of doing this thing with Dolph Ziggler, but I don't think they're on TV, like, every week by any means. And it Bobby Roode's a guy who I'd love to see in AEW. So when I heard mass releases, I'm like, all right, this is Bobby Roode's time. But no, he... he 
they must have plans for him. I don't know what's going on there. Either that or, you know, I think in a, I'm imagining in a company like this, as long as you keep your nose clean and, and don't speak out, you're going to fly under the radar and be okay. But, you know, if you, if you have a little bit of a voice and care about your career, um, you might be viewed as being difficult and, and kind of on the chopping block. So yeah, I, I would love to see Bobby Roode in, in AEW as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. I want to tie things together with what we talked about with Moxley, with Nia Jax. So there were some reports that came out that three or four of these members of this list were released because of their vaccination status. And it was reported, I mean, by the Instagram marks, like, don't get me wrong. This isn't like news by any means, but Nia Jax is an openly unvaccinated person that was that's her choice and and it's it's been documented so they're kind of reporting that Nia Jax has been released not so much for the budget cuts but because of her vaccination status Nia Jax has come out and put her own release out that says I've been I took a leave of absence that you know the company was very very supportive of it just last week I received you know scheduling for my return and coming up for my next run, I asked them if I could get an extension on the leave of absence. And today I found out I was released. There was no support, you know, that I needed this mental health re rebreak that I needed an extension. There was no support anymore. I find out I'm released back. My vaccination status was never brought up. And this is straight from the horse's mouth now. So, I mean, I'm going to take Nia Jax's word for it. What are your thoughts on, you know, we kind of talk about how supportive AEW is being to Mox right now, and it seemed like WWE was supportive of Nia Jax in the beginning, but, you know, once it's time to come back to work and you're like, no, I'm not ready to come back yet, you get the axe. That's, that, that says something to me. Yeah, it's tough. I, I can imagine that a, a lot of companies are going to be using the the whole vaccination status as a way to uh, maybe cleanse their their workforce. Uh, I know a lot of places around here are saying they're not going to let people go, but if they can't come to work, I don't know how they're able to to do their job. And I'm sure that's kind of the situation here. Is um, if there is a policy and she's refusing to get vaccinated. Um, I don't know. It, it could be true. It could not be, but there again, it's uh, you need the communication just isn't there, right? You're just not being told truthfully what is going on. And, and who knows, I'm sure Nia wants a job after this, right? So it would be in her best interest to kind of keep that part quiet. It's a, uh, it's a tough one. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm not sure what to believe with this. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. The fact that she needed more time for herself to recharge her 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 state of mind and they just fired her, that pisses me off. Vaccination yeah, or no, not, for sure. that's ir- irre- irrelevant at this Especially point. when they have a huge roster, like anybody <laughs> could, yeah. you know, take that spot. So Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, unfortunate news for a lot of these people. Uh, I'm all very, very talented people. When we look at someone like Eva Marie, you know, she came back to give wrestling kind of one more shot. I think she's done better for herself as an Instagram influencer and a fitness uh, 
ambassador or, or whatever she's into. I know she has some sponsorships with some like athletic gear and, and protein powders and stuff like that. She's done way better for herself with that. I think out of this whole list, Eva Marie's probably not thinking about finding a new job, AEW or anywhere. But for the rest of the list, there's a lot of prime talent here to be to be picked up and and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show of of who may go where now sending it over to the commentary desk there's some really great matches this week on dynamite rampage and i want to get into four of them pretty like more in depthly uh starting off the week Kenny Omega, AEW World Champion, taking on Alan Angels, of all people. Uh, an unmasked Alan Angels. Uh, what are your thoughts on when when this was the match that was announced, like, earlier Wednesday afternoon? Like, I, I, had, to, I had to do a double take. I was like, really? Alan Angels getting a shot at the champ? I mean, yeah, that, that just maybe proves how much they value Alan Angels that... He's he, uh, was this kicking off dynamite? Yeah, I think it was the first match. Wasn't it was the very yeah. first match of the week. Yeah, and I mean this match was this match was good. I think that Alan Angels really is one of those wrestlers that trying to think of who I could compare him to, like just jack of all trades. I think you could throw him in anywhere, and and he'd have a really decent match. And then obviously when you're working with uh, the best in the world, then it's, it's going to be you know fantastic. Alan Angels is definitely, I like that you brought that up. He's definitely that workhorse, you know, and he works a lot outside of AEW as well. If, if you've ever seen some of Sammy's vlog, he's kind of taken over and gone on his own kind of trips just for some content on Sammy's vlog. And like this guy can work. We, we, we called this out when we were introduced to him two years ago when Dynamite first got started. He was coming out and, you know, he was wearing no mask and he he had the tattoos all over the chest and stuff like that and i mean yeah he got his ass kicked and i i think it was a match against kenny omega if i remember correctly now that i'm thinking about it and but we were just like holy shit like this kid is actually really awesome they need to sign this guy sure enough he gets signed he joins the dark order and unfortunately he kind of gets overshadowed by you know kind of the the natural charisma that uh, the rest of the dark order had but th this guy can work and he needs more shots like this and and maybe he can kind of break out of that uh shut up five type bte character that he's unfortunately inherited so yeah but i'm really excited for what alan angels can do there was some story connected to this match however after the match kenny gets on the mic and you know he's just berating Alan Angels like how how could you have thought that you had a chance against me blah 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 he grabs a chair brings it into the ring and he's going to one wing angel him onto the chair when the music hits out comes hangman page he gets up on the apron kenny picks up the chair like he's going to hit him alan angels grabs it in comes page with the buckshot lariat but kenny ducks and, and runs and we kind of get that visual of Hangman holding the belt and grabbing the mic and saying, hey, you forgot something, but I'll leave it here. You better hold on to it tight. You only got one more week with this. I I, I thought that was great. Like I'm, I'm really loving this new attitude that uh, Adam Page has brought back after his time off. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're, and this is a, 
I'm I'm using this pun on purpose. We've kind of are over the hangover of the the drunk (laughs) cowboy gimmick, I think. And uh, yeah, I want I want Hangman back. uh, Whether he's with the Dark Order or not, that uh, that gimmick's done, and you know we're going for the belt. Like we we know we deserve it now, and and we're going for it. And man, this is gonna be a hell of a match. Can't wait for it. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Uh, Jamie Hayter versus Anna Jay, which was uh, a, a round one matchup for the TBS Women's Championship Tournament. Uh, this was this was a better match than I expected, especially after seeing Anna Jay and Britt Baker only like a week removed, two weeks removed from that matchup, which was a really great match. But I think, I think just having Jamie Hayter, someone who's not quite as high profile as Britt Baker, just made the matchup maybe mean a little bit more, you know, although when you're wrestling the champ, I mean, you're wrestling the champ. That means a lot, but I just mean there, there was more of the chance that Anna J can really get over in this match because you know that there is the possibility that she'll win in this one. So I thought like this match really meant something while you're watching it. And these two girls fucking performed the hell out of this match. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. And um, I think we kind of both knew that although this match, it could have went either way. Jamie Hayter probably needs this a little bit more than Anna Jay at this point. I think Anna Jay is pretty, pretty over with her, her time on like BT and whatnot. But this was really going to be about what happens at the end especially with uh, a rebel and Brit being out there. Although the way this whole match finishes, I, I don't think I ever could have predicted it. I don't even know what you're talking about. Did this have a crazy ending? Well, we, we, we got the attack by, by Brit and rebel and then well, yeah, but Thunder Rosa comes out. I just never expected that, that that was going to happen. I, I thought you were alluding to like some crazy false finish to the match or something like that no 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 <laughs> no the the match itself i mean although good I, I don't was really nothing to write home about it was really kind of the ending and yeah. and setting up for these future round matches we know ty conte is the number one contender so when brit and rebel attack you know a hater kind of gets up after winning the match and and everybody kind of gets in on beating up anna jay Ty Conte comes out, but the numbers are too overwhelming. And then, yeah, it's Thunder Rosa who comes out, who I guess she's next in line for Hater. Is that, is that why? Does that make sense? I'm thinking so. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that makes sense. It, it's going to lead to, uh, we're getting a six-woman tag match coming up next week with, with all six of these these ladies. So Perfect booking. All right, let's move on to Andrade El Idolo versus Cody kind of stipulation for this was Malachi Black barred from ringside. I They made a really big deal about this, but I don't know. I felt forced. I didn't think the concentration on this stipulation was necessary. Like, if, if Malachi Black just didn't show up, it does exactly the same thing. The stipulation was unnecessary for me. I mean, I agree with that to a point. I think knowing now what actually happened... Having that at the beginning just goes, okay, well, this is going to be a clean match. Like, I mean, Andrade has to go through Cody clean and vice versa. I'm not, I'm not thinking this is going to get interrupted at any point because of what they said there. So when the moment happens, which we're going to talk about here in a second, I, I think I was, was truly surprised by it. Uh, what we're talking about is FTR 
get involved. They, they were hiding under the ring or they ran out and then hid under the ring. But Cody goes for a suicide dive, Tope Suicida, and Andrade kind of ducks out of the way and there's FTR with the AAA belts and give them the shot, which uh, we've we seen something similar with FTR before. So nothing new there. What What's interesting is how they're doubling down on this partnership with FTR and, and Andrade. And we, we seen on Friday last night that again, Andrade is paying MJF off, you know, for the services of FTR. And we, we get a pinnacle forever out of MJF out of that too. But I mean, the pinnacles no more really like, right. Other than they still hang out with one another, the idea of it, I don't think we're still getting the music. There's no t-shirts they still seem like just separate people who who kind of hang out together sometimes. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm not liking I'm not liking this partnership with FTR. I don't get it. I don't like it. Bearing it. I I'm does uh does this not make Andrade like look bad that he he has to hire people to win matches? I, I think if I was him, I wouldn't like that. I'm surprised he's not crying about it on Twitter, but I mean, maybe <laughs> well, there's a winning. master plan. I don't he's know. winning, so it's all good, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, like, don't get me wrong. I think this twist to the story and adding FTR into this Malachi, this weird Malachi Black Andrade El Idolo pairing, I like it. But the fact that FTR is supposed to be a part of Pinnacle, and it was only a couple weeks ago that we saw them under the masks and beating up Darby Allen, you know, for MJF. It's just like pick a lane already. There's a fork in the road for FTR right now. They can't do it all. And yeah, the paying, the paying off of the, of them is just, it's, I don't know. To me, it's weak. Yeah. I'm with you. This match was really, yeah, no, really the good. The match was really good. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like Cody got booed here, which I don't really care whether he gets booed or not, but I just thought it was interesting that, the the view of the fans, at least you know, in the city they're at, was this St. Louis this week. Uh, they they didn't seem to be that hostile towards him, well, or maybe we just didn't hear it. We talked about it last week and how that promo that he did really it turned the tides a little bit. Right, right. I th- I think when you know they get into like a striking exchange, there was it, they were cheering for Andrade strikes and kind of ooh and. For Cody strikes. I think it's still there, but not as prominent. Yeah. Definitely not as prominent as it was before. And I mean, do we need to talk about the 10 punches in the corner? Like, I, I was we upset. Might as well. I, I was upset. So Cody yeah. Cody does the very vintage, the classic corner spot where he gets up and he starts punching. The crowd counts along, and then he holds on nine and for the 10. But I kind of had to call it out like, Wrestling has been around for many, many years, and they've done this spot for many, many years, but yet the crowd still can't stop at nine. They always do it, but they always stay 10 out of out of sync. Like, it's just, figure it out, people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Watch wrestling once. Our first honorable mention was FTR as they put up an open challenge for the AAA tag team title match. And we should talk about, they they did a little promo on Dark, which I thought was really good. I don't know if you checked it out, but they're sitting, they're lounging on a porch overlooking kind of a valley. It's like Dax Harwood's North Carolina mountain home 
or something like that. And they cut a they cut a really uh, cool promo on this porch uh, that I that I really enjoyed. But they put out the open challenge for any luchadors out there who want to challenge for the AAA tag team titles, but it couldn't be the Lucha Brothers. So we find out that Samurai, Del Sol, and Aerostar are going to challenge for the, the AAA tag team titles on Dynamite. This was a bad match. I'm sorry. A lot of people are talking that this match was actually really great. It sucked. And I hate to put all the blame on one person, but, I mean, Aerostar is is lacking in the uh, pace department. And uh, <laughs> he he... It looked like he hurt himself. There was that one spot where he launched over the top rope in the corner and his leg came down on the barricade. I'm sure Charlie horsed him or what, and he seemed to struggle after that, but it really interrupted the flow of the match, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, good for him to keep it going. Like for sure. he, he didn't waver in that way. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering how, how they put this match together. Like, is, is Andrande translating here? Because... That's probably where a lot of the problems went when they're trying to figure out what this match was going to be. And then and then also Samurai Del Sol. I think he's a little bit mixed up on his his character here. Uh, you know, are you Japanese? Are, are you Latino? Like, what is it? <laughs> but <laughs> you did have some Ultimo Dragon I mean, kind of vibes going there. Eh? <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, I, I thought it was I thought it was an OK match. I, I didn't hate it, but it was very noticeable. Yeah, it was very noticeable. So I think they would probably say that as well, that it wasn't their best match. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about Samurai Del Sol. So without trying to spoil anything here, in the midst of watching this match and these two luchadors are coming out to the ring and and they start doing the lucha chant, lucha, lucha, and they're doing the arm dance and everything. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. That, That must just be like a luchador thing. I always thought that was a WWE thing for, you know, for, for Kalisto and Sin Cara. Like, that makes sense. Okay, it might be just a, a, a Mexican wrestling thing and everybody does it. And then we're watching the match. And I'm like, man, this guy moves like Kalisto. Like, he is jacked. He's way too jacked to be Kalisto. He's way bigger. But he moves like him too. Isn't that weird? And then you fast forward to the news of all the WWE wrestlers being released and everything like that. And then it's like former WWE star debuts on dynamite. And I said, who the fuck debuted on dynamite that I didn't realize it was Kalisto renamed Samurai Del Sol. Did you notice this? Am I just blank in here or or were were you just as surprised to hear that as me? Uh, I was just, surprised uh i i i can't lie and say i i knew this was Callisto. the the only thing that i did see that totally makes sense now is that before the broadcast sasha banks posted a pic of herself with samurai del sol and that was kind of a kind of a pre-show talking point as to i don't know is it a bit of defiance that she's making reference to AEW, but really she was just making reference to uh, a coworker that, that she had before and was maybe friends with. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And, uh, are, are we thinking that, that these, these guys are going to be hashtag all elite? Like, is this, uh, is this Lucha house party 2.0? Or? Lucha house party. That was their name. I couldn't think of it. 
fucking think of it. But yeah, no, I don't know. I, I think I think these are AAA guys who just came up to work a match with AEW. But I mean, Ooh, I wouldn't yeah. be I wouldn't be upset. I think with the Lucha Brothers, you know, there is room for more full time luchadors within the ranks of AEW and. You know, like, as weird as Lucha Brothers and Pac is and the Death Triangle, worst name in wrestling history, by the way, if you're not familiar with the show. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, for them to get more and start, you know, LWO 2.0, like, I'm I'm all for that. So maybe not Aerostar, but definitely. Are we smelling uh, maybe the makings of a a new title? Like the Lucha title? Oh, maybe, yeah. Something like that? Could be, could be. Yeah. All right, let's get into the AEW Eliminator Tournament semifinal, Orange Cassidy versus Miro. Now, Miro is replacing Mox in the tournament. It was kind of uh, that last-minute decision as as that all new, that news all broke out on, on Wednesday. Uh, Brian Danielson was out on commentary for this match as he's waiting in the finals, you know, trying to see who's, who his opponent was going to be. We've complimented Miro before on how he works with some of these smaller guys and how he makes them look absolutely amazing. And we know Orange Cassidy can wrestle and put on some amazing matches despite what Corvette thinks. But this match is kind of right in par with, with what you would have expected with these two. It was competitive. It wasn't a squash match by any means. There were some moments when I thought Orange Cassidy could have pulled it out and there were some awesome false finishes Miro eventually getting the win here this was this was really good I, I enjoyed this one yeah absolutely and, I, and I'm gonna give credit to Miro here because I think it's his his athleticism that allows him to be able to work with these guys because like uh, I'm thinking about uh you know Orange Cast or Orange Cassidy doing like a tornado DDT and like like he really is able to flip around with these guys and not make it look super awkward. So yeah, this is a, a lot of uh, a lot of Miro and obviously Orange Cassidy being in, in phenomenal shape. This was a, a a really excellent match. It was a great replacement. I, I I'm a little bit sad that we're not getting the the OC versus Mox match, but I mean if you're gonna pick anybody to replace it, I think this was really really good. And lastly, I think Miro could have lost here and it, it could have just, he could have continued that character he was going down. So really, I didn't know who was going to win this. And that one false finish, I thought Orange Cassidy had it for sure. Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Miro and his character development leading into this match in putting it over. Uh, Daniel or Brian Danielson comes to the ring after the match. Miro did win. And uh, they kind of have a face-to-face as Dynamite's going off the air. Brian Danielson reaches out his hand to say, you know, good luck and and we'll see it at full gear and Miro wants nothing to do with it. Just to give that little bit of, you know, this is the story heading in because they they really don't have any time to build this this story before full gear. We only got one more show. So uh, I, I really enjoyed what they did with the little time that they had, you know, with the you know kind of the moxley stuff so good on them opening match from rampage brian danielson versus anthony bowens this was a really surprising match i I don't know why it seems so surprising because i mean we got brian danielson and we know how good anthony bowens is but it just seemed like such a weird pairing 
you know, especially just for a rampage, it kind of just felt thrown together. But I mean, this match was actually really entertaining. I think uh, besides the one punchline at the end of the rap, Caster's rap was really good. The 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 stepfather line, I, I don't get. Like, I don't know who Bree Bree's freaking dad is. Like, that makes no sense to me. Was he mistaking? Okay. I honestly thought he was mistaking him for Triple H for a second. No, no. Uh, Bree's mother is married to John Laurinaitis. What? Yes. So that's a stepfather-in-law to Brian Danielson. Okay. It makes sense. I looked sense it up. I looked it up. I didn't know that. I didn't. Oh, I, I, I thought, I thought you were watching Total Bellas. I thought you were all into it. You you pulled that fact <laughs> out of nowhere. I watched that for another reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. Then I'm fully on board. That was a great, that was a great joke from from caster but let's talk about this match really quick this was really good anthony bowens i mean this is the big time for him he he reached for that brass ring no pun intended and uh, and pulled it down he he killed it yeah no totally full credit to anthony bowens on this one but what what i want to applaud here is brian danielson one of the first promos he did i don't think it was broadcasted i think this was uh, some fan video after the broadcast went off and brian talked about how he is here to work with these great young talent and he's not here to like win titles and all of that and to me this is this is him doing that and he could have half-assed this because you know who's anthony bowens to him but you know, he, he was a hundred and uh 50% and a, a lot of this match being as good as it was, was both of these competitors. But I don't know. I just, I just feel like, you know, in this business of wrestling, there's maybe not enough giving, especially from these top guys. So I applaud, uh, Daniel Bryanson for, for doing that. This week's match of the week was the main event from Rampage. John Silver versus Budge. Is that how he says it? Who? <laughs> you got to remember, it's all capitals, so it's Budge. <laughs> right, right. No, it's Adam Cole. I think I missed that part from, you know, BTE where they were trying to change his name. I didn't know it had to be in all caps. I oh. just learned that in uh, <laughs> in the promo that Silver had. <laughs> Uh, this was a great match. Uh, John Silver, kind of a coming out party. We, I mean, we know the history of of Long John Silver and his uh, and his first mate there, and we know how charismatic him and Reynolds are on BTE, and the Johnny Hungy stuff is all very very funny. The promo that we saw on Dynamite was something to be desired. It seemed a little too BTE. I don't think it was necessary to be on Dynamite, if I'm being completely honest. But, I mean, he makes up for it in this match because this is a solid wrestling match between, I'm sure, two guys that have worked a lot together in the past. I know John Silver's from that kind of PWG area, so I'm sure these two have worked together before. They've probably put on this exact match. Uh, Adam Cole selling the concerto, the shot that we saw on Dynamite, you know, keeping the continuity together. Love that. This was awesome. Yes, yes. Again here, like, phenomenal match. This was like uh, Danielson and Bowens very much. And I, I, I'm i going to applaud Adam Cole here because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you were a big deal. 
you're still a big deal. And, and you came from WWE, you made it to, you know, the top of the mountain. And, and not that AEW is the bottom of the mountain, but Adam Cole doesn't need to do this gimmick of fighting with John Silver about what his name is. And, but he is totally leaning into it. Uh, he, he's, you know, going with the kind of mockery that John Silver's giving towards him about having to cut his hair and, you know, that he's kind of trash and he needs to like kind of get this new image and he's totally leaning into it. I love it. Uh, it's not taking himself too seriously. And, uh, I think it just makes this rivalry actually work. Cause I, I don't think it works otherwise. The, the one thing that I got to criticize about this match is that there's a moment where it looks like John Silver has the upper hand. He might even get the three Matt Jackson grabs Adam Cole's foot and puts it on the rope. Remsburg does the Remsburg thing, but dark order comes out. So it's Reynolds, it's Uno, eventually uh, Alan angels and 10 are there and it's four V two against the bucks to even, you know, to, to take care of business so that this is a clean match. And then the rest of the match, they're nowhere to be found on ringside. There's no Dark Order. There's no Young Bucks. But we never see on camera of them fighting their way up the back up the ramp or if they went out through the crowd. There's no reference to it from commentary. What the hell happened here? You can't not put that stuff on TV. It makes no sense. I was mad. <laughs> we're, we're never happy, right? Because if they would have showed this, we would have missed what was going on in the ring. We'd be arguing about that. Yeah, at least say something, show us a glimpse, a replay, picture in picture, do something. It makes me think of you're watching a TV show. You know, you're watching Friends. There's a coffee cup. The camera changes. It comes back. The coffee cup's gone. The camera changes. You come back and then the coffee cup is there. It's like, yeah, it's not magic. Like, well, what's going on here? So I think it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Otherwise, great match from, from Rampage main event. Suggest go checking it out. And now, putting it over. Kevin Owens did a promo on Raw that's got a lot of people talking in the wrestling world. And like I'll, I'll just read some of the snippets from it. If you guys haven't checked this out, go to YouTube. Search Kevin Owens promo on Raw. If if it's the official WWE channel, you don't want to click that one because, of course, they edited this all out, <laughs> which I'm burying. You know, that WWE just constantly edits the shit out. But Owens comes out, and he's interrupting Biggie's WWE champion. Seth Rollins is out there with his contract, and he wants his match the next pay-per-view. You guys know the story. Owens comes out. And he says, every single week, it doesn't matter what happens to me, I'll get back up, I'll dust myself off, and I'll show up the next week, and I will keep on fighting. And you know, it might be for three more months or three more years, but that doesn't matter. And that's a really key point in the promo. I mean, this is a very long promo. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this three years or three months, or three months or three years line, because it's been reported, it's been out in the news that Owen's contract is up at the end of January 2022. That's three months away. And now people are really like, oh, he's hashtag AEW, hashtag all elite. Like he's he's ready to go. But then it gets compounded because Big E answers back and he's like, you know what? Owen's, you're right. There can only be one face of Monday Night Raw. 
because this ain't no Mount Rushmore. And if you know, Mount Rushmore was the name of the Super Click plus Kevin Steen. So they had a foursome. It was Young Bucks, Adam Cole, and Kevin Steen. They were called Mount Rushmore. So, I mean, Kevin Owens to AEW confirmed, right? Like, I'm putting this over. <laughs> I mean, they obviously had this planned. Or, you know, they're just that good at kind of riffing in the ring. Well, you know what? Honestly, I think this is super smart by them because Vince is not going to realize what just happened. And when it goes to editing to go put out on YouTube, I'm sure those are people who do know and they're like, Vince isn't going to want this in there. But it's slick because, like, I honestly don't think Vince understands what was said on his show. So, so you don't think that this might be a way for maybe Kevin Owens not to have to make that decision? Because if they just outright you know, say you're trying to sabotage the show by making these references, then, you know, we just won't keep you. Maybe. Kind of a Jimmy Jacobs situation. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know. I see people, like maybe Kevin Owens denies this this contract to go to AEW, which we all know he's going to be full on received there. He's not going to not get a contract from AEW. You know, do, do the WWE fans revolt to gain, against him because he didn't choose them? You know, if they let him go, then, well, he didn't make that choice. I just wonder what that's all about. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, though. Interesting, though. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to go check it out, though, because... I got the link on the plan How did the there. fans react? How did the fans react to this? Did they, they get it? They popped. Yeah. Okay. This is a good promo. Uh, next up on putting it over, we got CM Punk doing a promo on Dynamite, and uh, I'm I'm guessing that the this first part of the promo was not part of the original plan for for what this was going to be. We all expect he's going to come out and start talking crap about Eddie Kingston, but he starts off by talking about John Moxley. I'm putting this over. I think this is just class act. I I thought it was very real. In the way he said that, you know, I'm not best friends with John. You know, I've known him a long time. We've, you know, we've had our our interactions. We're not enemies by any means, but we're not also best friends. And, you know, just to say, hey, you know, we're all here for him and, and all of that. I thought CM Punk being the what he is to this company, I mean, it makes a big deal for him to to speak out about this. Yeah, for sure. When it comes to the John Moxley stuff, it was... It was off the cuff. It hit it hit me very real. Like I was just like, holy shit. Like, cause I, I talked about it earlier. It was surprising that AEW is being so public with their support for John, which is great. So yeah, it, it, it kind of hit me a little differently. But then he gets down to business and he gets on Eddie Kingston, which was really good as well. He he flipped that switch from like the okay, let's get back to, to business here. But it still felt very organic and real in, in how he presented it. And this is all building off of that segment that we saw on Rampage the week before. That whole interaction felt very real. And these guys are continuing it on as we go into our next kind of item where we get on Rampage, Punk's out in the ring and he calls out Kingston. And Kingston comes in there and kind of just takes over the situation, takes over the segment 
And I mean, when you when you think of face to face promos in wrestling, you're not expecting what we see here between Punk and, and Eddie Kingston. This is like these are two guys who met in an alley and are having an argument, and we're all just standing there watching it. And it felt very real, and it's something that we see very, very, very rarely in the wrestling business. I loved it. I'm putting it over. Absolutely. I, I think it starts with uh, with Dynamite because during the CM Punk promo, he kind of calls out Eddie, but Eddie's not there. Yeah. Or he, I, I can't remember, maybe he says that Eddie's not here tonight or something like that. And then on Rampage, he calls him out straight and he there's no music that hits right away. So CM Punk reacts, oh, I guess he's he's not here again this week. But then he comes out. I think that was huge. And um, I mean, tell me if I didn't interpret this correctly, but I feel at some points CM Punk's face kind of like it turned red it's like he wasn't sure what to do next i i don't think he was expecting some of these things that eddie was saying i even feel at one point and if this is acting cm punk is an absolute <laughs> god but i feel at some points it was just like it was like he was thinking okay bro you're going a little bit too far here like it's not what this was intended to be you know just because eddie seems so just absolutely serious about this um, this didn't seem like a, a face-to-face. This seemed like two people that absolutely, one hates the other, and the other one just looks down on the other, which which was the story, right? Yeah. But do you feel like CM Punk felt a little awkward in this situation? What I kind of read off CM Punk is the camera would come to him, and he'd have that little smirk, that little, and Kingston alludes to it. He's like, wipe that smirk off your face. They say... The same for jokes, you know, like this is real life. I think I think that's just CM Punk just loving that he's a part of something so real and so off the cuff. No one wrote this. I, I, I would not be surprised if they didn't even talk about what was going to go. Let's just go out there and do it. And Punk was just, I'm so fucking happy that I can do this. This is what I wanted to do 10 years ago. You know, I think that's right. what Punk's thinking in this moment. Okay. Either way. Yeah, no, I'm putting it over. For sure, for sure, putting it over. Match set for full gear. It's it's made official. Tony Khan made it official. It's going to be a slobber knocker. Next up on putting it over, we got uh, Hikaru Shida backstage doing an interview with, uh, I believe it was Tony. Shida doesn't even get to talk. So we don't get to see how her English has improved. Uh, Nyla Rose comes in. And, um, I don't know. I, I'm going to bury this. I, I, I wasn't really a fan of Nyla Rose in this one. She, she flips characters back and forth. She, she approaches it with the all nice and sweet. And then the beast comes out and then it's back to, you know, this condescending, nice and sweet young lady. Um, wasn't a fan of it. Doesn't make me hyped up for this match. Bearing it. I, I kind of have to bury this thing that they're trying now where this interview took place after Rampage the week before. The This is like right after the, the Sheeta Deeb match, right? Or maybe it was Dynamite. So what I don't like is that we're kind of forced to try to put our mindset of what we were feeling a week ago 
And and this isn't the first time that they've tried this thing. I, I don't think it works. I think it makes it makes a bigger impact if it's you know she does backstage in St. Louis and her knees all taped up. Maybe she's got a crutch to really show how bad this beating was instead of just throwing her in this interview after she you know just takes a beating. I think that I think it's better that way. So I'm burying the fact that you know we keep getting having to travel back through time to to see these interviews. The other thing I'm going to bury is that Nyla Rose is talking like she's Sheeta's worst nightmare. You haven't beaten Sheeta ever, I don't think. Maybe once out of four or five times. But Nyla Rose has no validity to talking smack down to Sheeta. So the fact that she went in that direction, I think if she came off a little bit more cocky and a little bit more laughing, like, you had trouble with me at the best of times with two good legs and now you're on one bad leg, like this is a done deal. That makes more sense. But the fact that she's talking like she's absolutely going to destroy her because I'm Nyla Rose and you're her car, that makes no sense. You've never beaten her. Yeah, that's true. So I'm burying Nyla Rose for that. Miro, video promo, as he talks to God and he's praying to his God, I'm loving this stuff from Miro. And especially since this matchup with... uh, Orange Cassidy that we saw at the end of Dynamite was his first match since losing to Sammy Guevara, losing the TNT title. And we've seen a few of these promo packages from Miro and they've been building on each other. And I think, I think you're right. What would have just put this character over the edge is if Orange Cassidy somehow wins. And now he's even more down and now he's even more mad at his God. And he still can't go home to his beautiful wife because he's so embarrassed. I think that just adds to the character. But otherwise, the performance is really good. I love how they shoot this and half his face is dark and only half lit. It looks amazing. Miro, it, who would have thought a guy with the, with that thick accent like that could make it over by talking? You know, he might be one of those first ones with a really strong accent to really get over with his words. Putting it over. Yeah, I'm putting this over as well. I mean, it's totally just Miro's off-the-wall character. If you've ever kind of seen him outside of wrestling, he's just an absolute just goofball, uh, but this lovable, lovable guy. And um, I, I think the the whole sort of spiritual gimmick here is totally working in how he's having this this conversation to no one but really himself. I, I like these promos because they're not towards anybody. He doesn't have to try to come up with anything too funny. It's just this kind of inner struggle. I think it's totally working and it, it needs to keep going for, for a while here. Uh, next up, we got inner circle in ring here, getting to decide who's going to be a part of this match with the American top team. Uh, they have to pick three members of the team to go up against them and uh, we get two probably obvious choices and then a disappointment, <laughs> but shocker with the third one, would you say? Uh, disappointment meaning it wasn't the pick you and I would have made <laughs> yeah, for yeah. our own reasons. Uh, so selection number one here, Junior Dos Santos. I, I don't think that one is uh, really a shocker. Uh, I'm putting it over. I want to see this guy again. I thought he did He did well the first time out. Yeah, no, Junior Dos Santos was the obvious pick. He's already worked 
he did a really good job in that in that uh, six man tag, and uh, he's got to do it again. Uh, the next selection was Andre Arlovsky, which uh, we haven't really seen in a match yet. But he was wasn't he a part of that kind of initial attack on uh, on uh, in, Inner Circle? I can't was remember he a part of that brawl there. Can't remember I think he, he was. He's kind of he's been on one time and then he misses the next time and then he's been on the next time and then he misses the time. So I can't really remember if I've seen him okay. actually throw a punch yet. Right, right. I can't say I mean, with confidence. I'm, you got to, yeah, you got to think he's going to be around the level of uh, of Santos here. So I think it's a good pick. I mean, he he has that look, so probably better than neck tattoo as a pick than. Well, you know than that. So I was kind of surprised that they went with Arlovsky, just because okay. I felt like they needed one of those smaller guys like Neck Tattoo and and Scrawny to work with Sammy to make that make more sense, or like even Ortiz and and Santana. They're not the biggest guys, so to throw two heavyweights in there, I mean, it says something for Inner Circle. They're not scared. They like, yeah, we'll take on the two former UFC heavyweight champions. No, no worries. But I was a little surprised that they went with Arlovsky, and he just he seems shy about it. It's not like he's out there, you know, looking tough and like I want to be a part of this. He's just kind of there, kind of smiling and just having a good time with everybody else. So it was a surprise to me. Right, right. Uh, I'm putting over the fact that Sammy, Sammy totally disrespects Scrawny there, saying, like, did you think we were going to pick you? Uh, <laughs> you know, and the look on the guy's face is just, uh, I, I thought that was a really good part of the segment. And then for the third pick, for the third pick, we're all hoping, I think half the crowd was hoping that it was going to be Paige Van Zandt. She, she gets on the mic and she says, pick me pick me I, I i could uh i could take all of you guys on which leads to uh, uh one of those classic chris jericho moments where he says uh so you you can take us all on eh <laughs> i'm sure you could <laughs> that joke just writes itself <laughs> yeah. yeah that was really funny but uh the selection they make here is dan lambert himself I mean, this is a um, a moment that I think we've all experienced. Anybody who's watched even a little bit of wrestling, we, we've seen this storyline go down where, you know, the person who probably shouldn't be wrestling becomes a, a part of the match, you know, JR in a match, you know, just times like that. So I think we could see the writing on the wall when this wasn't going to be Paige Van Zandt, that this was likely going to be Dan Lambert. I was a little bit shocked. This is where they're going to go, though. But I'm I'm liking it. I I, I think it's going to turn out well. I'm putting it over. Yeah, for sure. It was surprising, but what made it so surprising is that Dan Lambert was so good with the way he performed his side of the promo. Because yeah, Jericho mentions you called yourself a part of the American Top Team. You were the number one. You were the first person on the team so you're eligible to be picked we picked you and then you kind of think back you're like holy shit yeah he did say that but it's just the way he says it it didn't make it obvious you know it's not like he got close to the camera and wink wink i'm the first <laughs> member of american top team wink 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 you know like he did it so smooth and naturally that you don't catch that so when jericho brings it up you're like oh smart like it. So yeah, I'm putting yeah. this whole segment over. And the fact that Sammy only had the microphone for that one line even made it better. 
looking forward to this 10 man tag. You, you know how we hate the multi man tags, but I think this this has a chance to be entertaining. And uh, as long as Arlovsky and uh, it'd be interesting what Dan Lambert is going to do. We know Santos can 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 work, so that's not going to be the problem. It's going to be what what Arlovsky can do. Um, so yeah, super excited about Full Gear for that. And Paige is definitely going to be a part of this match. She right? has to be. Like we're still going to get to see her. She has to be. Yeah. She's not. She's not teasing anything on TikTok. I've been watching in closely and intently. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. The MJF promo to Darby Allen, and honestly, much like the last two MJF segments we've talked about on the show here, the first half of this is just boring. Like the more and more we are forced to listen to MJF talk and maybe this just maybe this just goes to show how good MJF is getting people to hate him but it's not that I hate him and what he has to say it's just I hate having to listen to him like I'm over it and that's the wrong kind of heat to, to have on one of your top heels in the game now once Darby Allen gets the microphone and he says his piece and puts the microphone down and makes his way, now you know there's going to be an altercation. Especially when MJF goes to run up the ramp and Sting comes out with all the faux Darby Allens with the paper masks on and stuff like that. Then the segment gets really, really good. So I think I think MJF is, is starting to get into a territory where the content of his promos is being overshadowed with how long they're letting him talk. I think it needs to be shorter and sweeter. And by sweeter, I mean, you know, flagrant and, 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 and vile. Cause you know, that's his, that's his character, but it just needs to be shorter and it'll all be better. That way I can really put over this whole segment, but honestly I can only put over the beatdown at this point and what a beatdown it was. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that clothesline over the guardrail there was yeah. just absolutely insane. Um, I totally agree with you with the MJF stuff. And it, as you were talking there, it made, it made me think of some really old rock promos that were also getting to that level of, it was the same stuff every week. It was insult this, make some sexual comment about that. And it, it, like we could probably watch a couple of these, write down the formula and then just look at the formula next time he's there and he'll hit every one of those points, you know, insult the city, insult the fat person in the front row, tell everybody to shut up. Like it happens every single time. He just needs to get a little bit of diversity and I think maybe the length won't be the issue. It'll be the freshness of it. But if you're not going to do anything different, then yeah, make it shorter because it's not anything new. And then this would have been probably the best segment of the entire week. It, it, it really had the potential to be, unfortunately. But it is what it is. All right, this is a special edition of the IWP Top 5 with all the releases this week. I, I felt like we needed to kind of put our heads together and come up with a top five wrestlers who are, you know, a lot of these guys still have no non-compete clauses and stuff like that. So maybe available 
isn't the right word, but how else do you put it? Otherwise, really, we're only talking about one guy. But top right. top five pro wrestlers who are available after the recent releases. Uh, there's really no particular order. I think these are kind of all the top tier people. So we won't kind of go n- number five, but top of the list, Ember Moon. I think... We've seen her excel in NXT. She gets called up and she excels on the main roster. And then she had that unfortunate injury that sidelined her for a really long time. She came back, got a big pop, but then her place was lost. And she kind of just fell down the card to where she ends up going back to NXT, kind of kills it. And then all of a sudden she's gone due to budget cuts in quotations. I think this is a, a talent that AEW should should jump at she would fit in with the uh the women's roster right now in a in a really good way she could form an alliance with the likes of ruby soho they kind of have a similar style uh, i i think this is a no-brainer yeah i know i totally agree with you i i think that AEW is missing a, a few key women in there with some experience to make this division absolutely the best in the world and I, I I like your idea of of Ruby and Ember, but I was thinking more Kylan King. Oh, that works too. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Uh, next on the list, we have EC3 uh, as part of the ROH releases. I wanted to put I wanted to put a couple guys on here like Jay Lethal and Rush. You know, former uh, former ROH World Champions and stuff like that. But we know. Like Rush is a really great wrestler and he's a big dude, but he has like zero charisma. And Jay Lethal, we we just expect he'll be a part of AEW because of his history with the Young Bucks and and that crew and stuff like that. So for me, it's EC3. We talked about this guy when he was released a couple years ago and how, you know, AEW should really get this guy. He was so totally underutilized uh, when he got called up to the main roster. He could really bring something to it. Now that chance is there once again. For sure. I think out of those three guys, if anybody's going to be able to do like a long storyline with somebody, I think it's going to be EC3. He's got, he's got the mic skills to do it. He has the creativity with all those vignettes. I think you know, him and say a Malachi Black, I think could do a really, really cool uh, feud with. Uh, next on the list is the package deal of Karrion Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux. I, I think, you know, Karrion Cross could probably come alone and it would be great, but these two got over together really quickly when they showed up in NXT last year, I mean, a little over a year ago now. Um, when they split, when Scarlet split from Karrion Cross, and they tried to bring him up to the main roster, he lost all his appeal. I think it's the package deal that really works for these two, and they could they could hit a home run coming to the big stage of AEW. Yeah, I, I these two have to stay together. Um, I'm trying to think of kind of who who they're like. It's I, I want to say Macho Man Elizabeth, although. Macho Man did, you know, well without her. Maybe a but, Triple H um, China kind of dynamic. Not right, that Scarlet's right. a China, but you know, Triple H benefited so much when China got, you know, attached to his hip. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's 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 a perfect way to put it. 
Keith Lee next on the list. And I mean, this is, this he's been funny on Twitter, you know, as people have started reporting that the Bearcat Lee was his idea and, and stuff like that. And because he couldn't get it over, that's why he's getting released. And he's just, you know, he's like, that was not my idea. Trust me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but Keith Lee, I mean, we tried to do uh, a second version of IWP and it was going to be IWP reacts. The very first episode we were ever going to do was Keith Lee versus Adam Cole and Keith Lee, man, he's a big, big guy, but fricking he moved. Like he, re- he really reminds me of uh Bam Bam Bigelow. You know, a guy who's 300 plus pounds that can moonsault with ease. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's wild, the athleticism on this guy. The fact that WWE is letting him go and claiming that they couldn't find anything creative for him, it's it's absolute bullshit. And he deserves way better than that. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I'm wondering, like, if, if Keith Lee goes somewhere, does Mia Yim go with him? Because I think they're a couple of those Yeah, I think two. they are, right? And Mia Yim was also yeah. part of that release. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. Mia Yim's cool. another one who could be on this list. She, she's sure. She's been great. Uh, last but not least, Wyndham. You, you got to mention him. He's the only one who's actually available to start at any time. I haven't heard anything more about his contract situation. He's been doing a lot of teases on on Twitter and stuff. If you guys aren't following him, check him out. He keeps teasing like the the, the truth is coming out, and you know the the, the time has come and and all this stuff. It, it's been really really great, and we know the creativeness and it's another one that the fans like the WWE marks are absolutely trashing him because WWE is trying to paint such a negative picture of him. And, uh, I just don't see it. The reason he didn't work with your company is because you wouldn't just let him be. It's honestly all there had to be. Just let him be, let him write his own stories and they would have been great. Right. Yeah. You got, as a company, you have to recognize there's people you have to manage and then people who, can manage themselves and you got to let those people do their thing because uh i mean maybe wwe just feels like they've made all these people and and i think someone like like windham like he made that character what it was like he did that it was him that was out there i don't think it was necessarily scripts that got him there it was still him that had to to read it and connect with the fans and he did all of that and and i'm sure some of those things were also his idea like the lantern and stuff like that like i don't know that we'll ever see that kind of sight again where the camera pulls out and we see the entire arena with uh you know everybody with their cell phones um i'm imagining that's like his idea things that he brought to to what that was about so yeah, wherever he goes, I'm sure it's going to be part of his contract that just let me be, let me do my thing, and I promise you I'm going to make you tons and tons of money. I'm sure Wyndham has notebooks full of six-month-long storylines. Like, maybe this guy shouldn't even be a wrestler anymore, and he should just write creepy movies because I, I, I'm sure they would be awesome. Right, exactly. All right, let's take a quick look at what we're going to see next week. It's the Dynamite Go Home Show. We have the AEW World Championship contract signing. We're looking at Pac versus Dax Harwood. 
Brian Danielson versus Rocky Romero kind of coming over from New Japan, which is really cool. We've seen him uh, involved in Impact already this year, so that's cool. Britt Baker and crew taking on TJ and Thunder Rosa, which will be a great six-woman uh, six tag match. Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty versus Dante Martin and Leo Rush. Now, this is a segment that we saw on Dynamite. wasn't really great. That's why we didn't really talk about it. But really quickly, when we were watching this, I just I don't know if it was Lee Moriarty doing this on purpose or if it was just an experience of being in front of the camera and not having anything to say. But he just had this smirk on his face while Matt Seidel was talking the whole time. And I'm like, he is totally turning on Seidel and joining Rush. Like that's what's gonna happen. Did you see okay. this at all? Or was he just a rookie green kid who was just happy to be on TV? I, I really did not did not notice him. I was really focused on, you know, what Seidel was saying and then and then Leo Rush's response to it all. I mean that that's uh, I like that. I like that because Rush shouldn't win here. And I think that's kind of what Seidel is going for. It's just like I've been in the business this long. I've been doing things the right way. You know, I'm straight edge. I'm all these things and <laughs> <laughs> and I then do yoga. He just keeps shit. losing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it should be mentioned also just to kind of support my theory is uh, Lee Moriarty is a student of Matt Seidel. You know, Seidel's his, his, his trainer or whatever. So I think just that student turning on, on the, the master, like I, I just, I feel like that's a story that, and I think he would fit in with Leo Rush. So we'll see. Also next week, of course, Saturday night is AEW Full Gear. I haven't heard any news on if there's a Rampage. They did the whole rundown of the week, and I don't think they mentioned Rampage on Friday. So I don't know if it's with with Dino or with uh, Full Gear being on Saturday that there's no Rampage. But why wouldn't there be a Rampage? I just haven't heard any news on it. So I'm not sure about right, that. Right, because it's recorded anyways, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Not sure what's going on. So, but full gear Saturday night. Uh, we're gonna do a prediction show right after Dynamite next week. We'll get our predictions out there so you guys can know, you know, what we're thinking leading into the pay per view, and then we'll do the full gear results and review for our normal show to come out Sunday or Monday whenever we can get around to doing it together. So I'm super excited. Pay per view week next week. It's always an exciting time. Thinking about these matchups and 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 who we're gonna pick and the storylines and where they can go, it's my favorite favorite time of the month to uh, talk about wrestling. is is a pay per view week. Absolutely, yeah. I love making predictions on things that have already been decided. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's not even any luck or anything behind it. But they they literally <laughs> you can bet on wrestling in Vegas, and I don't know why. I'm not a millionaire because I mean I get right. eight of nine every time. I, did right? you lose the last one though? I mean, slow down. <laughs> I think you got me twice this year, right? Didn't you win Revolution as well? I gotta stop picking orange without Cassidy. bonuses, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Anyways, that's our show for this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Remember. Our podcast is available on all major podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Catch you all next week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Go fuck yourself, Corvette. Pop guys out. <laughs>